1: Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue and Sean Fitz with you once more. And the conversation starts again with a commitment. It has been a steady theme here on our podcast throughout the month of July and for the 10th time in this month of July, Penn State adds a commitment to its 2022 class. This time around, it's four-star cornerback Cam Miller, who attends Trinity Christian Academy down in Jacksonville, Florida. Sean, he's another top 24-7 guy. He's number 153 overall in those rankings, number 22 among cornerbacks. We're getting used to this type of thing, but yet another four-star building block for a class that has come so far in a matter of a few weeks.
2: You're reading these numbers and these accolades. You you sound bored by this. This is just like old hat pew you at this point.
1: It. I mean, that's what is really remarkable, and and I wonder. Um, I wonder if even the people who are are the most fervent members of our message board are going to you know kind of look at a four star commitment and say, oh, that's nice. Well, it's just another week here in Happy Valley, whereas there's a long time they are waiting on one, and now it's just. All of them coming in one fell swoop. And I mean, by the time we get through this, Sean, and, and into August, we'll talk about it. There's more possibilities later this week for Penn State Building in its class. I mean, it is going to be almost no room at the end. It's it's really
2: remarkable when you think about the podcast that we're, I think the first was it the last podcast in June, where the where the verbals basically. And um, mm. that's how we closed a mailbag. It's like you know, they're coming. And as we said before, this is exceeded expectations, even, you know, that we thought that, you know, we kind of map it out and figure out how everything is going to go. And this is exceeded expectations, obviously. But you look at what they're bringing in, it's a lot of guys that they have been recruiting for a very long time. It's a lot of guys, you know, and, and if even if that wasn't the case, it's guys. Jb Nelson, Tyler Johnson, guys that they brought in, worked out, saw them very, uh, you know, saw them perform very well up close, tested them, do, did all that stuff. So there's a lot more research just in this one month in that month of June than they got pretty much the entire last cycle. So I think that that's certainly um, a, a way to take uh, one one route to take, and the other one is just like, man, how many how many can they? just keep piling on top of one another. You mentioned there's, there's two more potential this week, potentially this week coming for Penn state. And it's, it's really funny when you take a look at this class and, and, you know, half of this class is committed in July. Um, there's, there's 11 other months that people are just going to be like, okay, where, where's this for the rest of the year? And it's, it's funny to break it down because it's all cyclical. And you, you kind of, we saw this in the 2021 class from uh, April to May, and a bunch of uh, commit There was a run of commits then, um, and then then you have these lapses. And, and what's what's going to be funny to me is during the season, you're thinking, okay, 2022 uh, re- recruiting, where did it all go? And and you're going to be pretty much full by the time the season starts. And the um, people are probably going to get antsy, but there's really not a ton of targets out there left. So it's it's funny when you think about. Putting that, juxtaposing this class with last class, it's it's a total wash, especially with the the news of Lonnie White, which we're going to get to in a minute, uh, signing with the Pirates. So it's really unbelievable how this has all
1: gone. And it's, it, it, it's just to the fact that you're going to get to a stage where no news is good news with the 2022 recruiting cycle for Penn State fans and for Penn State staff. You're pretty much going to want to just get to that December signing period. And seal the deal with everybody officially. Whereas you know, you want fireworks typically in the fall. There, we'll talk about this because it ties into our mailbag question. It's it's kind of about what's going to happen in August, September, and beyond as as they work toward the signing day with so many players already in this class. But Sean, focusing on this latest edition and Cam Miller, you, you talked about Penn State doing its research. He's a recruit who did his research, a couple visits up to State College just in June. Uh, the last of which was an official visit. He was on campus with a bunch of those commitments during that final visit period, uh, weekend. And, you know, speaking with guys like Caden Saunders coming out of that weekend, I think Ken Talley mentioned it as well. They felt like Cam Miller wasn't really situated within their class and he was theirs to lose. And I, that stood out to me, a guy coming up from Florida um, and making that transition to Trinity Christian down there in Jacksonville, which is a perennial kind of power and and a power five recruiting magnet, um, coming down the wire, that Penn State, you felt really good about it. Uh Some of the more recent crystal balls, I think, starting with Andrew Ivans and and Steve Wiltfong last Tuesday, really made you feel good about it. And and now here we are. He's on board with this class, and and commitment number ten of July, and they're coming from everywhere: Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Florida. I mean, you name it. And the interesting
2: subplot here it was Terry Smith, Penn State's cornerbacks coach, recruiting against Ryan Smith, Virginia Tech's cornerbacks coach, who was a graduate assistant under Terry Smith at Penn State. Uh, Smitty is, it was around for the, for a couple of years, uh, I believe, is, uh, with that Big Ten title team. So, um, you know, he's doing great things right now. Wouldn't be shocked, you know, at some point down the line to, for him to pop up on a, you know, a watch list or something like that in terms of, uh, Penn State needs to replace a secondary coach. Actually, I think Adam on the, the safety one too. Um, but, uh, that, That was pretty fascinating, but yeah, Cam Miller, a guy that, you know, when we, when we drew up this mock class at the start of June really wasn't a part of it. You had guys like Jaden Bellamy and Jaden Golden, New Jersey seemed like those were the much more likely uh, targets, but he came up on his own. Took an unofficial visit. Didn't work out for the staff. Brian Dilworth, if you remember that name uh, from Florida, came up and worked worked with the staff. And the staff liked what they saw, and they almost took his commitment. And then sort of tapped the brakes on that last second. Boy, how how about you think about that one for a second? I mean, this was uh, after the first uh, official visit weekend. We were we were prepping stories for Brian Dilworth commits to Penn State. Big and then Bergen sudden,
1: Catholic movement. I mean, it was just a completely different ballgame, Sean, versus where we are now.
2: Absolutely, and you'll certainly take Cam Miller. Cam Miller is six foot plus. He, he he runs really well. He's tested really well. He came up on his unofficial, and they they were really kind of blown away by how he presented himself, even though he didn't work out and things like that. How he presented himself, and and he walked away. And you know, we we texted and, and or got in touch with some sources after that trip. They're like, yeah, we're in it. We want him. That's the thing that uh, that that's kind of. The, the litmus test on this, this month, and they brought him back for an official visit. As you said, the commits around him thought that this was a pretty good chance for Penn State. And now all of a sudden he's, he's in the class.
1: Uh, A a little bit of Marquise Wilson here in terms of a guy who I'd love to see play both ways if there was a way to make that happen. Uh, Because you watch some of the offensive film, and I think he was the the county offensive player of the year uh, down there named by Jacksonville.com or whoever hands out the accolades. Playing quarterback, doing a bunch with his wheels, doing some with his arm. Um, A guy that when he comes down with an interception – He may take it the distance. He's got this elusiveness. He's got legit speed. I think the laser places him. I don't know if it's under a 4-5, but very much right there around 4-5, Sean. Um, And and I'm sure Penn State, we've seen some of the the speed strides made for for some of these defensive backs who have come in and what they're running year two, year three versus year one. So I I love what Cam Miller can do. I think he's certainly a different player, a complementary player. With Jordan Allen, who they brought on board. I like Allen more so. I think he flashes the most toward the line of scrimmage. Whereas I, I like seeing this kid kind of out on his own, uh, able to use that speed, ease the- use that lateral quickness. I could see him baiting some wide receivers over the course of his career. I, I love this pickup. He's a guy that I-, I want to personally get to know a little bit more where he's coming from down there in Florida, what his background is like. Be a great podcast guest, I hope. But I think from a football perspective, fits in very nicely with what they've already assembled and what we think they may bring in a little bit later here with the defensive back class.
2: Speaking of podcast guests, Spencer Rollin going to join us later in the episode. He took some time with us last week and and sat down for the the Harvard grad transfer that will be here in 2022. So you're going to want to stick around for that. But yeah, Cam Miller, I tell you what. Andrew Ivans down there in Florida absolutely loves him some Cam Miller. Um, just uh he could not say enough good things about him. Four or five laser, big broad jump. This is a kid who, when you ask around, it says, How does he uh or who does he remind you of? You get some Christian Campbell in terms of frame, in terms of athleticism. Christian Campbell, nobody could broad jump like Christian Campbell. I think he's still probably still has the Penn State record there uh up on the board in Lash, but he was, uh, you know, it's kind of a comparable, longer athlete. Now, a little bit different in the sense that um, Christian Campbell, more of a, a receiver type DB, uh, Cam Miller. Playing quarterback, you don't see too many of those guys go to corner. You see them go from quarterback to safety, maybe linebacker, or something like that. Tyler Warren, in his case, going from quarterback to tight end. Um, some of these guys go from quarterback to receiver, but tight air, but, but going to corner is an interesting case. And he's got to, you got to have a special set of hips on you uh, for you to be able to play uh, both of those positions and, and have it translate. Um, there, are, There is talk uh, that he could eventually be a safety, um, but Penn State likes him as a corner. They like the way that he moves and like the way that he plays the ball in the Air. So, uh, an awful lot to like about the, the the way that this kid moves, and you know he's he's from Florida, so you're gonna have to keep after him. I'm sure he's gonna have to definitely say all the right things after his commitment, but that's a long way away. So you got to keep pumping on this, and we'll probably get into that one a little bit later in the mailbag. But Penn State, very very happy to get Cam Miller in this class.
1: And one thing Terry Smith always points to when he talks about some of his rising cornerback talents, it's not always you know the athletic attributes, although they're necessary to get your foot in the door at Penn State. It's the guy who's who develops a fearlessness or has kind of that innate reckless confidence of sorts at cornerback to be willing to make some mistakes in exchange for coming up big with with a play on the practice field.
2: Yeah, he's got that football background in the sense that he's not just a one-trick pony playing corner. He's also a return man quarterback. So he's got so much of it um, going for him. I'd be interested to see him make the jump to Trinity Christian to see where he's playing at that level in, in, in that area. So uh, definitely a guy, a guy that you look to as as a potential difference maker at the next level. Uh, like I said, Andrew Ivins cannot say enough good things about this kid. And as we're Heaping these comparisons on, which I hate, by the way, Uh, Joe Hayden is who we put uh, Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback. Uh, So that's pretty high, uh, high quality uh, comparisons here. We had Quentin Nelson a few weeks ago with (laughs) Alan Birchmeyer, Miles Garrett, maybe one of them with deny Dennis Sutton, Joe Hayden's out there. So Penn State uh, putting together a Pro Bowl roster.
1: No pressure, guys. No pressure. Yeah. Joe Hayden, for those who don't remember, a uh, unanimous All-American with the Florida Gators and, of course, a three-time All-Pro. Uh, that, that, that's something to live up to there. Looking at this defensive back class in totality at this stage, because it's not done yet, you've got Miller joining the group. You had Jordan Allen on board last week. We talked about him playing cornerback at Lafayette, Louisiana. Tyrese Mills, who's been on this podcast, safety from Lackawanna College. He'll, he'll be in town next year. Sean, there are this is just a major week potentially for this defensive back class. There's no other way to put it.
2: Yeah. Two uh two potential uh commitments coming Penn State's way this week. Uh Christian Driver, who we still have listed as an athlete, you know, we're still t- kicking around receiver in terms of that. I think he's a safety long term. I, I don't know. He seems to be coming around to that that way of thinking, of course, kind of similar to Makai Flowers, um, that situation. And then K.J. Winston, who is the safety all the way uh, from DeMath, is going to announce on on Saturday. Uh, Driver is the 29th, which is Thursday. And then Saturday, K.J. Winston is going to announce. Uh, we both have Penn State crystal ball picks in. I, don't, I, I think I know I've got in for both of those. I think you've got one or two in.
1: I think I'm in uh, for but, Winston. I don't think I've followed you quite there with Driver yet, but I'd imagine I, I, that may well happen very soon.
2: I see. Uh, so yeah, Penn State working their way through the uh, the, the, de- the defensive backfield. Uh, as we said, not exactly how they they drew it up, but if you're looking at what's out there, left uh, not not a ton of defensive backfield targets because I think Penn State feels pretty good about where they stand with them. Uh, beyond that I mean there's there's not much room left in this class they'd love um, Alex Van Sumer and the defensive tackle from uh, from Michigan State is still a guy that they want even though I'm not sure they have the space to take him Uh, but that seems to be Penn State and and Michigan State right now I'd give the edge to the Spartans to be honest with you with his brother transferring there Uh, on the offensive line Emil Wagner still out there Andre Roy still like to add another linebacker Abdul Carter's out there Wesley Besant Jay Barham a guy that could play linebacker or, or on the edge so there are so many names out there, and actually, we didn't even mention receiver. Um, Darius Clemens is the guy they had in for an official visit. Andre Green's supposed to visit this week. Um, so uh, Amari Evans from Texas. Like I said, there's a lot more targets out there than there are spaces, and that's a pretty good spot to be as you're going into the season.
1: You mentioned receiver. We got to get to this topic. Uh, Less uh, enjoyable one for Penn State fans than the commitment talk, but Lonnie White is going to be playing professional baseball here in 2021 and in the upcoming years with the Pittsburgh Pirates franchise. Uh, Multiple reports coming out surfacing late Sunday night. I think the first was from the Philly Voice um, that White had made that decision to sign with the Pirates following his status as a draft pick, the 64th overall pick uh, a week ago in the Major League Baseball draft. Uh, The report here from Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Sean. Um, he's going to get $1.5 million from the Pirates. Uh, the slotted value for that was was actually under $1.1 million. Some comments from James Franklin with us and Indianapolis last Thursday seemed to open the door more than we anticipated going into the weekend. It gave some pause for thought on what Lonnie White and his family may be leaning toward. They come out of the weekend with the decision he's not going to be a Penn State in any line.
2: Yeah, this one actually drug out longer than I thought it would. Uh, we we had talked about that when he got drafted. Actually, the day that he got drafted, uh, we had talked about the potential for him to uh, to end up signing pretty quickly. So this one drug out. It, it seemed like, given his comments in the Philly Voice, that he did struggle with this decision a little bit more than than conventional wisdom would say. Um, but all the best to Lonnie. I mean, that's a tough break for Penn State's class. It already lost Nate Bruce. Now you lose your your top uh, top commit. I mean, you can bounce land and tangle in there, but they're kind of interchangeable at the top two guys. Um, so yeah that's uh, the 2021 cycle is is best forgotten but it's it's going quicker for some.
1: well it's it's undeniable that the money played a central role here that's that's life-changing money and potentially down the road generational wealth for you in major league it's Baseball. Good, it's good
2: we can actually say that about a recruit now <laughs>
1: Absolutely, yeah but but Lonnie here you know he mentioned it several times in that interview from what I read baseball was his first love and it's, it's it, football, maybe something that he grew to love and and maybe as equally. And I think one thing Franklin told us as, as, as recent as Thursday, but he said it a lot. He felt like whatever sport Lonnie was coming out of playing, whatever season that was, that was his sport. He, he wanted to play football or he wanted to play baseball. And he was so set on that. So had to sit down here and it just, it just seems like as, as much as James Franklin and the Penn state support staff and everyone who was going to be part of his potential journey in state college, Made their case. I mean, Franklin said those that family had not been in Penn State facilities until they made the trip earlier this summer. So they did their diligence. Sounds like Lonnie and his family did too. It's the result we anticipated. Penn State seemingly put up maybe a, a better fight or presented a better case, and you wonder how the NIL maybe plays a role in all that long term. But uh, we're going to see Lonnie White in baseball. Doesn't mean we may not see him circle back and end up playing football down the road. But right now, baseball is the priority, and, and that's what he's going to get paid pretty handsomely to do.
2: The Pirates not making friends in the power five ranks, taking Lonnie White from Penn State, taking uh, Bubba Chandler from uh, Clemson, who was supposed to play quarterback. So, I mean, lucky, luckily for Penn State, you know, they probably got, I don't want to say the better end of that deal. But if you take a quarterback out of a class, that's a big, big chunk right there. So, um, you know, like I said, all the best to Lonnie. Uh, ho- hopefully that's a decision he can sleep with and 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 feel good about. And uh, hopefully he's successful at the at the baseball.
1: Nittany Lions left with Liam Clifford and Trey Wallace, who were both uh, four-star prospects in the 2021 class at wide receiver, building a bigger receiver group in the 2022 cycle, of course. Uh, we're going to come back here with Spencer Rolland. He is a transfer offensive lineman, spending one more season in the Ivy League with the Harvard Crimson, uh, but he's heading down and he's going to be a member of the Nittany Lions next year. What went into this decision? How does it all work? It's hard to wrap your head around because it's a new story, for college football players, but he breaks it down with Sean Fitz in just a moment. What's he bringing to the offensive line and a five-star mailback question takes us out on the status of what remains to be done in the 2022 recruiting cycle. Stay with us here on the 24 24, seven podcast.
0: eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive. That's all your own. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Welcome back to the Lions 24-7 podcast. A very special guest joining us this week, Spencer Rolland, one of the newest. uh, Penn State's on a roll right now, so one of the newest commits. I'm not sure where you fall in line because it seems like every day they're getting someone new. Um, but. A different situation, Harvard grad transfer. Stop us if you've heard that one before. Eric Wilson committed to Penn State and is enrolled uh, with the Nittany Lions. Spencer's a little bit of a different story. Spencer, thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this podcast and that- join the Nittany Lions, yeah, in the upcoming upcoming season. Um, so like you said, I still have one more year left here at Harvard, but I'll be coming come to Penn State for two years after that. So I'm excited. You're kind of a, a
2: a groundbreaker here because it's such a different situation as, as we saw with Eric. He had the one year and then he's he's gone. You are gonna actually play this year at Harvard and it's going to be, you know, just kind of this is, I don't stop me if you, if you've seen it before, because I haven't, because it's, you're going to play this year, you're going to get your degree in the spring, and then you're going to join a team for the, for the next uh, season, but you already know where your destination is. So how crazy has this all been for you? Because it's just kind of different than going into the portal and finding your, your next home and going.
3: Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me of high school a little bit. Um, Like with high school, there's a lot of junior year recruiting and trying to get kind of get you ready before your senior year of play. Um, like, for example, for me, I had a lot of going to camps that junior in between junior and senior year and looking at schools and that whole process. And I actually committed to Harvard um, back in July before my senior year. And I just had my senior year to kind of concentrate on finishing up my sports and academics in high school. And I kind of find that like a similar range here at Harvard is committing to Penn State before my senior year so I can finish, get my degree. And really focus both on Harvard athletics and my final season here, as well as um, my academics and on my degree and concentration. Um, but I think the reason why I wanted to do this so early compared to what normally happens is COVID has really thrown things out the window. And there's so many athletes that have this opportunity to become um, grad transfer or transfer to a different school. That I really wanted to kind of jump ahead of all those other guys and um, really claim a spot and get to a place where I really wanted to play and have that opportunity because I feel like if I waited any longer, um, more guys would just enter the portal and be a lot tougher to really make a name for yourself.
2: Yeah, last week we kind of explained how this works in the Ivy League, where you usually get four for four, and then you know this, I think you're going to start seeing more of this with grad students from the Ivy League, um, just kind of jumping out and playing that final year. But you actually have two years left, so you're kind of a special situation. You know the COVID plays into that, um, mm-hmm. but uh, how much did that have a factor into your your recruitment with Penn State, your your connection with Phil Troutwine, the other coaches down there? How much did having two years really help you out here?
3: Well, I think with with any school, having that additional year is an added benefit, um, not only for me, but also for the school, because that means I get an extra year possibly to be under the coaches, develop and possibly prepare me for the next level. But it also means for Penn State specifically, they have a senior guy coming in that not only has one year, but two years to be on their line or any position with a grad transfer. Um, to really solidify that group um, of of uh, O-line guys, in my case. And I think that really stood out to Penn State, because um, they really liked where I was at currently. And that opportunity of having me for two years, um, they were super excited.
2: How did you get to Harvard? Now, we talked to Eric Wilson, you both, Minnesota natives, you landed at Harvard. How did you get there? You said you committed there before your senior season. So how Mm -hmm. did your recruitment play out for those that haven't followed you throughout the years?
3: Yeah, for sure. So back in high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I played football in the fall, basketball um, during the winter time, and then I split baseball and track. I did baseball my first two years in high school and then track my last two years of high school. And so because of that, I was constantly doing sports, moving around, and I did AAU basketball during the summertime for him as well. Um, and so throughout high school, I was being recruited for football as well as uh, basketball. But I knew with those two opportunities in hand, I wanted to go someplace that was high in academics as well as high in um, athletic competition. And there's not many other places better than an Ivy league, in my opinion, that you can get a high, high academic degree as well as play um, some top notch level athletes at the same time. And so I had my eyes really set on the Ivy leagues to start. Um, And between basketball and football, I was just getting more opportunities with football and it's also the sport that I liked more. Um, And so, and so I kind of continued with the recruiting process and, um, like I said earlier, I went to camps all throughout July. I actually traveled out here to the East coast with my dad. Uh, we took like five days and I went to four camps, like back to back to back. It was by the end, it was quite, um, the effort to come to camp because Harvard was actually my last camp and I had been to Dartmouth, Brown and Yale before that. Um, but coach Murphy actually pulled me up before camp and sat me down in his office and he's like, um, I just want to let you know we want to offer you here at Harvard um, just go out to the camp uh, see what the coaches are like see how you fit in and my decision making with Harvard really came down to the people I really love the coaches um, at Harvard and I really, really love the players and I think those things those relationships that you have at certain universities and schools are the things that really set apart um, programs because they all have the training staff. They all have the equipment. They all have the gear. But the people, I think, are the difference makers. And that kind of went into my decision at Penn State as well. Um, once I visited Penn State back in July um, or early July, late June, I really enjoyed the coaching staff, enjoyed the players. And um, it kind of reminded me of my recruiting here at Harvard. And just that relationship, especially with Eric being there and being able to Hear from him what it's like during practices and during lifts and um, his interactions with the teammates. I think that really helped my decision as well. What
2: were you as a prospect? I mean, obviously you're six six, 6'6", 290 now or two ninety ish right now. You said you're a basketball player. You couldn't have been, you know, playing playing three or four sports. You couldn't have been uh, nearly your size um, in high school. What were you no. as a prospect? And what, how do you you look back a couple of years? How do you how do you see yourself as a high school kid?
3: Yeah. I mean, back in high school, since I was, like you said, running around doing all of these sports, um, I was, I was quite small. I was still the same height, six, 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 seven kind of range, but I weighed in around like 225, I think my senior year of high school. And so it really took a long process for me to go from the 225 all the way up to where I'm currently at in this past three, four years. Um, but I think because of that, a lot of schools weren't looking at me initially, so I wasn't getting a lot of power five offers at the time. And so kind of like going back to the Ivy League, why I went to the Ivy League is because I was able to develop, able to get that degree at the same time and have that opportunity um, to go to the next level if that were to be the case. unfortunately, it is the case. And um, uh, I definitely have more opportunities now that i've put on that weight been able to play um at a size that's a lot more manageable for all line um i know coming in to harvard everybody's like oh what position do you play and a lot of people like oh tight end i'm like no i'm actually offensive tackle and they're like really like they, they had their doubts but um i put in my put in the work my freshman year uh kind of bought into the program the training program here at harvard and Was able to get all the way up to 265 my, around, around that my uh, sophomore year.
2: So no redshirting in the Ivy League. You did not play as a true freshman in 2018, but played all 10 games in in 2019. Um, What was that experience like? I played with Eric Wilson on that offensive line. Um, What was that like? And then obviously, obviously you did not see what was coming with COVID in terms of getting tape and and gathering all this kind of stuff. But um, Mm -hmm. what, what was your first season, your first full season playing like at Harvard?
3: Yeah, I mean, that transition from your first freshman year kind of, just taking everything in, it's a totally whole new world to now being a starter, your sophomore year, really taking on a lot more responsibility. Um, I think that transition and my confidence level and me starting right away, I think started at that. um, I was going to say fall camp, but actually before that, I actually came to, um, we have this thing called Summer Dogs, which is our summer training here at Harvard. And I came back and started summer dogs in June. And I think because I bought in, um, all the way back in June, I was prepared and ready to go for fall camp and yeah. fall camp really prepared me. I remember some of the coaches were even like, like, wow, like you, you're, you're surprising us and keep up the good work. And if you keep on doing this, you'll probably earn a starting spot because there are still spots open to other seniors and juniors. And, um, my online coach, coach Kennedy, he, came up to me and he's like you've really proven yourself and I like I want to give you the starting spot and just like keep working hard keep earning that but that transition was quite different because you have to now not only recognize different defensive fronts but also know the offensive plays where coming in as a freshman you just kind of get hit with everything and they're going at such a faster pace than it was back in high school it's it's kind of like drinking out of the water hose or fire hydrant. And, um, but I feel like going through spring ball and going through fall camp for a second time, you really kind of slow down the pace and you're able to, to grasp a lot more, um, technique and plays and details that you didn't get the first time. And I think that really helped me out, um, going into my sophomore year and starting those 10 games. But, um, Playing on that offensive line and having all of that experience already there, I think also additionally helped me because like you said, Eric Wilson was also on that whole line. He's a fellow Nittany Lion, um, but we also had um Liam Shanahan, who was actually uh the right guard and I played right tackle. And so having him right beside me, she, for those who don't know, he's uh grad transfer to LSU, played there. Uh, last year and because of COVID has another year, um, is, and is playing there again at center, but having him, he played right tackle before me and got transitioned over to right guard. So having him as a mentor almost, uh, right by my side at right guard was really helpful, um, for that transition from being a freshman on the sideline to now starting 10 games. And I think just because of that experience, they kind of really set the, the mold for what kind of a Harvard starting offensive line should be. And I really try to emulate both Liam, um, Eric, and all the other uh, guys that played before me and with me alongside me. And I think that also really helped my success during my sophomore year.
2: It's interesting. You mentioned three, three guys in three years for grad transfers is this something you guys talk about at Harvard now that, you know, it used to be, you get your four years done, you go into, you know, whatever field you're going to go into. Is -hmm. this like, okay, maybe we see what we can do at the next level. And is this a buzz around Harvard or any other guys, you know, in the Ivy league or anything like that? Could this be, I don't want to call it a feeder system because let's be honest, it's Harvard. Um, But is this something that you could see becoming a trend over the next couple of years?
3: Yeah, for sure. I think I know, um, a lot of the coaches here at Harvard, I think they're seeing this as an opportunity, a recruiting opportunity to maybe snatch some of those guys who don't have those uh, power five conference offers and say, hey, why don't you come here to Harvard? You'll have a shot to play at high level competition, get your degree. And who knows, you may be able to um, do that grad transfer opportunity like we've had these other guys in their past. Like, um, for example, me, Liam, Eric. We've had a few other guys such as um, Isaiah Wingfield um, go to Wake Forest. We've had guys, uh, Tom Stewart, he transferred to Rice University um, and multiple other guys the past four years since I've been here at Harvard. So I think it's definitely becoming more common. Um, and I think just that mindset of, um, hey, you're here at Harvard. We play high-level football. But at the same time, you get high-level academics. And if that's all you want to do and continue on with your career, like nothing against you. But if you want to go on and possibly play at the next level, like that's perfect as well. And I think the coaches really like that because I think they're able to get some of those higher um, recruits coming into Harvard, which not only makes Harvard more um, competitive, but also uh, – more i guess people are probably more willing to come to harvard because of that opportunity and that possibility um and coming when i was coming in as a recruit i kind of had that idea of possibly doing this and um definitely having this opportunity and seeing it kind of come to fruition was is quite amazing to me and I'm excited to kind of continue with it and kind of be one of those trailblazers for Harvard um, and kind of hopefully I hope this continues because I think it's a great opportunity that not many other schools can can definitely provide to students as well as athletes.
2: So they cancel your season last year, um, obviously didn't, did not play in the spring. So that's a big layoff. So when does it click that, you know, that this is the next step for you to to enter the transfer portal, I believe in either late May, early June. Um, and then to say, here's my situation uh, sort of take it or leave it. Um, but when did, when do you make that decision? Obviously you put on 25 pounds or so in the off season or mm-hmm. the long off season. So how was that off season for you? And when did you make that decision that this is what you wanted to do to do next?
3: Yeah, I mean, whenever you're away from something that you love doing, you you definitely miss it quite a lot. And I think during that COVID time period, um, having the Ivy League cancel their seasons, but many other programs and um, universities still having their seasons and watching those teams compete, it, it was really tough, I think, for a lot of our players here at Harvard, as well as many other Ivy League students and athletes. Um, to see that go on and knowing that I would still have an opportunity to get those years back. Um, I, th- I think it was during that time period where I was really, it would, it was unfortunate that we got our season canceled, but once one door closes, another door opens with other opportunities. And it's kind of seizing that moment to say, Oh, shoot, like this stinks. But at the same time, flip it over and see that there's maybe something better that kind of opened up at the same time. And I think what really kind of drove me to kind of push the grad transfer was coming back um, during the spring semester, uh, the upperclassmen were able to come back to Harvard and we had a makeshift um, spring ball here at Harvard. We weren't able to get many opportunities um, to play on the field full pads. But the few practices that we did have, I just remembered how much I loved being on the field with the guys. And um, I definitely wanted to for sure continue and finish my two years of eligibility and hopefully see where that takes me and possibly to the next level. But I've never been one to close a door and say no to an opportunity.
2: So you enter the portal. How long did it take for Penn State to reach out? Who did you speak to there and how did that re- relationship grow?
3: Yes. So for Penn State, it, it didn't take too long just because, like we've mentioned before, Eric, one of my close friends here at Harvard, um, was currently at Penn State. And he did a great job of talking with uh, Coach Trottwein, um and saying, hey, I have a former Harvard O-line guy that is entering the portal soon. And so Penn State kind of knew right off the bat that there's an opportunity to kind of talk with me, look over my film. And once uh, Coach uh, Trotwin uh, saw my film, um, he called me right away and kind of started that relationship with me and started to text me and said he would really uh, like me to come out to uh, Penn State see the campus do a workout with them uh, meet the other coaches and so that relationship really um, started off quick and I think that was really attributed to that relationship I had with Eric and his um, ability to talk with um, coach on the inside and just kind of get the ball rolling right away from the start. How was that workout? Um, that workout went really well Um I I loved uh, being on campus. I loved kind of working with the coach, uh, Coach Trotwin, one-on-one. And seeing kind of what his philosophies were, I think, really stood out to me because his experience is none other like any other offensive line coach. So there's not many coaches that can say they've played at a big um, five-power conference school, have gone to the NFL, played in the NFL and and now coached for a few years, multiple years, actually. And so I think just through his experience and his knowledge of the process and the techniques and um, the skills that you need to have to be successful at each level, um, I think that really stood out to me when I visited him and talked with him, um, as well as our conversations after our workouts. Um, one thing that I really enjoyed about my visit as well is I was able to see the team uh, do a walkthrough practice after I was done working out. And I, so I could kind of see how he treated me one-on-one, but also how he treated um, the whole line as a team when they're doing their plays. And I, I was really um, surprised at how well they were focused uh, during practice and how well they were concentrating and, just the technique and skills. And after that, we also, I was able to watch a film session and the way that he broke down the film and his expectations of the players was exactly in line with what I wanted at this next level. And so it, it kind of just worked that everything that I was searching for, um, coach Troutwin or Troutwine, um, had, um, those skills had what I wanted to be, to push myself to that next level and, um, I, Throughout the recruiting process, I was trying to think of any other coaches that would fit that mold better than coach, and I couldn't think of anything else. So That really became one of the reasons why I wanted to commit to Penn State so early, um, because I knew that there probably wouldn't be any other schools that would beat out Penn State in my mind.
2: Uh, you you mentioned to me off air, Kansas state, Minnesota, Northwestern, a couple of teams that are, that reached out. Uh How long did it take you to, to figure out that it was Penn state? I mean, did you leave here thinking that it was Penn state or did you take some time, go back and think about, I mean, what, what was that decision-making process like?
3: Yeah. I mean, I definitely didn't want to make a t- decision too quick. Um, mm-hmm. But just talking with um my friends and my family and kind of, hearing them hear my excitement after I visited Penn state and knowing how excited I was at the time. And a few weeks later, how excited I still was about Penn state um, kind of just made perfect sense to um, just kind of start talking about it, start formulating and thinking about other possibilities that may come up in the future. Cause like we've talked about before, me coming into the portal this early is quite a rare phenomenon and I think some coaches uh, don't know how to really uh, go through this process with people starting to enter the portal so early and so not many schools were contacting me right away but at the same time Penn State took that initiative to contact me to get me back on campus and those are things that really stand out to me, um, taking that initiative, um, showing that trust in me and showing that interest right away. And if other schools had come down the line, I think Penn State being the first one, it always um, is important to me. It kind of shows that loyalty to my talent, my dedication, my hard work. And I, I think that's what really stood out to me is Penn State taking that initiative and being one of the first people to reach out to me with all this weird um, situation and scenario.
2: You play right tackle at Harvard. Is that still the plan this year? And where do you fit into Penn State's future plans on the offensive line?
3: Yeah. So who knows, but I am planning on uh, playing right tackle here at Harvard. with injuries, hopefully very few this season, um, I could be shifted around to the left side. Um, but I think the plan with my coach, um, as I understand it, is I'll be continuing at right tackle. Um, but talking with Coach uh, Trotwine and my future at Penn State, uh, during my workout, he saw me as a player that could play both tackle as well as guard. And so he was really excited about that opportunity for me and as well as for the offense line at Penn State, having that capability to play both positions and be kind of that utility guy that could step up to the guard position or step up to the tackle position and, excuse me, fill one of those roles that um, Penn State needs in the future. Um, so I think left to right side, I'm fine with either or, but I'm um, talking with coach. I think he said starting off at right side, but, but who knows? Um, like I said, where an opportunity arises, um, I'd be more than happy to fill that gap and fill the need that Penn State um, has.
2: Let's get a self-scout on you. What, what, I've watched the tape. was impressed by the footwork. What, what do you think you do best, and what, what do you bring to the table as a as a power five offensive lineman now?
3: I think, like you said, um, the footwork, especially with my long history of basketball, um, sets me apart from a lot of other offense linemen. But, but coming from an Ivy League, um, education, I think taking those skill sets that I've learned in the classroom and being able to understand different defensive fronts, um, the offensive uh, playbook as well as kind of how those two intermingle together um, will probably set me apart at the next level. And kind of that understanding of, yes, you need the strength, the speed, but it's those little things, those the small techniques, the small reading of the defensive line or the linebackers or the safeties. I think those components of my game will really help me transition from the Ivy League um, FBS level all the way to Penn State FCS level. And hopefully I think those skills can set me apart.
2: While you got your scouting hat on, what's Penn State getting now with Eric?
3: Um, Eric, he is very similar to me in the sense that he has those um, insights on the football field. And, but I think with Eric, he comes with a lot of explosion. Um, he is a guy that will work hard every single day and will not only bring his level of game up, but I think he'll bring the other guys around him, his level up. Just from my experience, um, like I said, being a sophomore and kind of playing alongside him, I think um, not only did he bring my level of game up, but every single day I practice, he had high expectations for everybody else. So I'm hoping that he kind of continue, c- continues that at Penn State.
2: A few particulars here to get on with uh, before we close it out. It's Spencer Rollin, not Spencer Rowland. He is from Minnesota. His background is basketball, not hockey. And I apologize because I made that stereotype <laughs> on him the other day. Um, but Spencer, it's been wonderful to have you on. Uh, anything else you want to say to, to Penn State fans listening?
3: Um, Like I said earlier, I'm excited to be a Nittany Lion um, in 2022. And I'm excited to get on the field and Uh, Bring more success to Penn State.
2: All right. Thanks, Spencer. I appreciate you joining us on the Lions 24-7 podcast. And hopefully we we get to catch up with you and follow you throughout uh, your season at Harvard. Uh, Good luck finishing out your degree. And and thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.
1: Good stuff with Sean and Spencer. Uh, Definitely appreciate his time. Look forward to learning more about his story in the upcoming months. Sean, it's five-star mailbag time. It brings us back to a question that we've been asking ourselves now. Uh, Let's sum it up here with this. I know a big July was expected for Penn State's 2022 recruiting class, but at this point it seems like they've exceeded expectations with the staff already accomplishing so much and filling up that group. How could that impact the recruiting plans for the next few months leading up to signing day?
2: Well, first off, number one, you don't want to think about it, but you got to keep these guys. And that's uh, something that Penn State's been pretty successful with over the last uh, several cycles um, in terms of, you know, if you look at their decommitments, they've been guys that have committed early and decommitted early. So they've done a nice job. I was just thinking today how different this class might look. You know, we talked about Caden Saunders potentially taking visits, how different that might look because it's a, a lot of it's perception then it it's just sort of boils off and, and other guys feed off of that sort of thing. So him staying in the class and those other guys staying in the class at the outset of this summer was very big. Now mm. you've got to recruit these guys. You've got guys from Florida, Louisiana, all over the place, uh, potentially Texas. So you've got to keep on these guys. Um, I there's a sort of cliche, you recruit them as if they're uncommitted. Some of these guys, that's not going to be the case. And it's good to have Drew Shelton back uh, from IMG playing his senior season in Pennsylvania, but that's number one. Number two, I mean, where's the space at? I mean, you've got 20, potentially 24 commits <laughs> by the end of the week. Um, we mentioned a couple of guys. You'd love to add another offensive lineman, another linebacker, um, another wide receiver if possible, just get this team faster. Um, but it's not going to be realistic in the long run to to, to add everything you want. Um, so you got to keep recruiting those guys, maybe bring in some some uh, national prospects for official visits if you want. We talked about DJ Wesselak from, uh, from Missouri before. Um, he wants to come up for an official visit. So you've got to keep on those guys, even if you don't have space for them. And it's an unfortunate reality. Some guys, you know, get to the point where they want to make a commitment then all of a sudden it doesn't work out for them. We've seen that in the last month for Penn State. So um, it's been, uh, that that's kind of how they have to approach it, but you have to spin. This as a positive. You got to get as many 2023 and 2024 guys to your campus for games as you can, because that's the big, that's the next big thing. You get a jump on the 2023 class. Uh, they've already done so with Alex Birchmeyer. They want to build on that.
1: Yeah. I think you get the 2022s with the 2023s, try to try to get that connection going, build that momentum into it. One thing you didn't mention that would be very helpful win a bunch of football games, right? Well, think, yeah, get it I mean, done on the field.
3: Get it done on the field.
1: (laughs) Um, And and that's something that, of course, we'll be shifting gears to here in the coming weeks when Penn State finally uh, finishes up its latest uh, commitments brief. That happens. A lot of football to focus in on. It's going to be a big August for previews here on the podcast for now. Uh, a lot of commitment talks still. We'll talk about more later in the week. Bunch on the site at lines247.com about the addition of Cam Miller to this recruiting class. Check it out. For Sean, thank you to Spencer Rollin. I'm Tyler Donahue. You've been tuned in to the Lions 24-7 podcast.